Hello and welcome to the Bothering Strangers podcast with Max Hearing. I'm Max Hearing, and my guest today is Olympic and professional track athlete Natasha Hastings. She was she was a gold medalist in the 2008 Olympics on the 4x400 relay team, and also almost medaled in the 2016 Olympics. And is also and is still a track athlete. Natasha, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, you've been you've been running for a while no Forever. your whole life obviously your whole life but um I guess like 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 we spoke about I mean now that you're on the back end of your career like do you when you look back to like when you were in college 05 06 07 has your training changed a lot um Definitely. And I love that question as I sit here in Columbia on campus looking over to the track stadium and the football stadium um, in the background here. Uh, But yeah, um, the first or biggest change for me from collegiate to professional was, you know, as a collegiate, we had a ton of track meets during the track season, ran just about every weekend. Um, So we trained hard, but we raced harder. And so by that, you know, I was kind of able to race myself into shape. You know, race sharpness is one of the kind of the track jargon, if you will, um, which still exists as a pro. However, we don't have as many racing opportunities as we do in college. Um, So we kind of had to switch that over a bit to, you know, training a little bit more to replace those competitive opportunities that we had um, to kind of get into race sharpness, if you will. Race, so race sharpness is never, is actually never a term I've heard before. You've never heard that before you said? I, I don't know me. I don't know any track athletes. So, you know, don't, okay. don't, put, don't put it past me. <laughs> but when, when you say race sharpness, does that refer to just kind of like the, the mental state where you're like ready to race? Um, it, It's the mental state is always a part of the game, but it's more so, um, I guess, if you will, finding your rhythm. Um, sorry, I've messaged my mom to tell her I'm doing a Zoom interview and she's texting me. Anyway. Tell, tell her, so tell her you're very important. Say, I'm very important, mom. Not now. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but it's it's more so about, like, finding your race rhythm and, like, getting into that rhythm throughout the season and um, sort of that progression, if you will, of, like, you know, you're starting at point A, there's the end goal, there's the progression as you train to peak and, you know, you want to perform well and, you know, you're hoping to peak at the right time. Um, So that's kind of more of what I mean by race sharpness in that it kind of takes a little while for things to start clicking and you start racing um, at the level that you, you hope to race towards the end of the season. So I was, that was not in my head. It was not what it is. Uh, so, so when I'm when, curious to hear what you thought it was, <laughs> I, I really just thought it was kind of like the mental side of, uh, of, of racing, you know, like I, yeah. I was thinking mentally sharp in my head. That was, that's kind of what, that, well, that's the thing too. That is the thing too, because I mean, if I'm honest, the first track meet of the season, no matter what, as long as I've been running is the one that I get the most nervous about. <laughs> um, and then after that, it's like, once I get that first one out of the way, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's roll. Um, so that, that is a part of it too, you know, kind of getting your mind back into that competitive state and, 
you know, how your mind goes through that process every time you step on the track. Okay. So I wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> Good. Glad. Uh, so, so I guess, so, so you were in the, you competed in the 08 Olympics, won a gold medal. Uh, you competed in the four by 400 event. Uh, and you, then you compete in 2016 and you're still running. Mm-hmm. So when you look back at your professional career, like, like you, you said yourself that there are just less races after college. Mm-hmm. How has it changed from when you were 23, 22, 23, 24 to now? I don't, I don't mean to put you on blast, but in your mid thirties though. Why, why are putting me on blast? I, I, you I, know, I, you, I never know how people are going to respond to age. <clears throat> I, I'm just never aware of it. And I, I had a job, I had a, a job interview a couple months ago. Well, part-time job. And, the guy was like probably 60. I don't know. And I called him middle-aged and he wasn't offended, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say this, but like middle-aged. Yeah. And he was like a little, and he's like a little older. Oh no. I embrace that. I am seasoned. It's one of the things that I celebrate. I do also want to mention, I did place fourth in the open 400 in 2016, but I also did win another gold medal on the relay there as well. Um, and so much has changed between my 20s and my 30s. Um, the, the first thing that um, I will say in terms of just the opportunities, again, to compete is dwindling. Um, add COVID into the equation, that made it 10 times more difficult. Um, but the sport of track and field has been one that's been plagued um, by finances as well as marketing, Um collectivism, you know, the the athletes joining together um, and, you know, doing what would work collectively for us all. So I will say in the beginning of my career, um, there were more opportunities to make money and live off of the sport, whereas now opportunities not so much um, competitively and and even by way of sponsorship. I mean, it's it's tough to... um, get sponsorships and as as we move into a or not even move into we're we're well into the social media era you're starting to see where uh social media presence sometimes is more valuable than performance um which is a discrepancy for for many so there are all kinds of things that have changed on the track um but the business of it um and the earning potential um, for sure, is one that I've seen over the years just take a turn for the worse, honestly. So, so, so we'll, we'll circle back to the training thing then. But at this very moment, I guess I want to say, like, last, my last guest was an Olympic rug, female rugby player. And we were talking about how both men and women's rugby just has, just could be, could work in the United States, but for some reason just hasn't been marketed. So, is social media is, is one thing to talk about? I think where a lot of athletes are now getting a lot of attention they're not even that good in their sport but they've figured out an, a, a niche another niche yeah in, in their thing but especially with like tiktok now mm-hmm. um is it a marketing issue because like as i'm i've been a sports my whole life i'm gonna say i really only watch track at the olympics at the olympics that's that's the always it's the every four year sport which is mind-blowing for a number of reasons a we are the number one team in the world um, yes. And and even when you consider the uh, every four year deal where you put us up against the other sports that are competing 
great. <laughs> they they, they <laughs> didn't know you were doing the Zoom interview. <laughs> they they didn't know that that the bothering strangers podcast need, need oh, this time. Oh I'm so sorry. Um, but when you put us up against the other teams that are also competing in the Olympic Games, the bulk. And I, I could be wrong, but the bulk of medals come from track and field. So it's not <laughs> that, you know, a lack of performance, if you will. Um, as an American athlete, if I've walked down the streets in London and Brussels and, and people recognize me mm. here in the States. I appreciate the privacy. I do. Um, but nobody knows what the heck I do. Even when I'm, <laughs> when I'm asked, <laughs> what do you do? I'm kind of like... I don't really feel like having this conversation right now. So, you know, I lived in Texas for 10 years. So people were like, how did, why are you here? And I'm like, I work. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm in the athletic business. And I just try to leave it at that because to go down the whole gamut of like how I make a living, what I do, it's, it's tough. But the truth of the matter is, um, again, we're the, the number one sport, the number one um team in the world so so that makes no sense in itself but we're also the number one participatory sport in high school in the USA even above football yeah you know but I think the thing that um things like football baseball basketball does that we lack is the grassroots marketing um because there's there's you can't explain to me how we're the number one participatory sport in the world. Everybody's either competed in it or their kid has, or, you know, they don't know Olympians or world champions or, you know, that, that the sport exists in between every four years. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with like really reaching back to that grassroots and making that connection. Um, and for whatever reason, it's been lost. And, and I don't think that uh, it's impossible because then, you know, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Bruce Jenner, uh, Gail Devers, Michael Johnson, those wouldn't be household names if it was impossible. Right. So there's, there's something that is amiss in the marketing for sure. It's absolutely not impossible. Do you think, I mean, you're talking about men and women's track and field here, but would mm-hmm. you say are men's in a slightly better position or is it very similar? Always. Always. I, Always. I, I figured there's there's no way around that there's there's even we can even get into the colorism uh racism conversation as well of in, like, in track and field it, absolutely i have not absolutely. heard of that one before absolutely absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah. can we quickly get into the colorism <laughs> conversation <laughs> i mean when you just look at and it, again some of it is is the social media world that we look in we, we're living in but, um, and, and I don't shy away from, I've benefited from it myself in that, you know, most of my medals or the majority of my medals are relay medals, even though I have in the teens number of medals. Um, but I get publicity notoriety because I've number one invested in it. You reached out to my publicist for this interview. Um, but I'm a pretty woman that does track and field. And I'm a light-skinned woman, and that's something that's celebrated. I don't shy away from the privilege that I've been afforded, um, but I, I acknowledge it. And I think that that's, that's when the privilege becomes dangerous. And there are other women in the sport that we can say have benefited from such. And it's not that person's fault, 
it just is what it is. Um, I've seen <laughs> where, you know, it, especially in the world of sprinting, you know, if we're honest, African-Americans dominate that sport, that without, dominate without those events. Doubt. Not even close. But when there's a white <laughs> athlete that creeps into those events, all of a sudden they get all of the press and all of the notoriety. It just is what it is, you know, and it, they don't it happens in have all of the sports best. too. Right. So, so it exists. <laughs> and again, it's one of those things that I think, and I, I know to be true that as long as we try to act like it doesn't exist and try to ignore it, that's where it becomes dangerous. And that's where we can't correct. Um, but the truth of the matter is that it exists <laughs> and it is, you know, it's the truth. Whew, man, this is, this is a new one for me here. <laughs> well, the, the white thing, I mean, I've, we, we've seen that across the board. Ba- I think basketball is a per example. Like right now, I'm not, I don't say slight him, but like Alex Caruso on the Chicago Bulls. I love mm-hmm. him. So I'm not saying this to talk point of anything. Anything is a great player. I think yeah. so much of his fame comes from being, and I think a lot of people agree with this, especially his, his initial fame came from being a very normal looking white guy, tall, but like very regular looking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two things can exist at one, right? You can be a great basketball player and you are, <laughs> but you can also get a little bit more not notoriety because you are a normal looking white person. And so when I say this, it's not to take away from any of the talent that these people have, um, but it's just, you know, taking a step back and looking at the broader picture for what it is. Do you think that it is because, I mean, specifically in, regard, in regards to white athletes, I do want to talk about the whole the white skin thing as well, but in, in regards to white athletes, it becomes it comes down to we live in a majority white country. And I mean, that's just numbers. If you talk about influence, money, it, it goes even farther. But just pure numbers, we live in a majority white country. And on some level, you want to see people that look like you in your in things. So, of course, that's not an issue in terms of money, Hollywood, but basketball, football, track and field. I'm sure there are others I can't think of are black majority sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- um, again, I think two things can exist in, at, at once. Right. And I think that there is something to be said for what you're saying, whereas it's basically our um a message or what we try to get out there that you have to see it to believe it. We want to see people that look like us so that we can believe that, you know, we can do those things, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that's true. It's, it's a fact that cannot be ignored. We are, although the majority of these sports, the minority in this country. And so the numbers are going to reflect differently because of those two facts. Right. Um, but then it, it still is a slap in the face as the majority of those sports <laughs> to then see the minority still be the face of because we live in, you know, and but the thing about it that's that's more of a slap in the face is that, you know, when we're out winning whatever medals, winning whatever championships, blah, 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 you're backing us. And then when we use our platform to speak out on things that are important to us then it's like shut up and dribble shut up and run you shouldn't have an opinion that's where it's like no this is not okay you know like again for to me i believe sport is a privilege 
And now I've given this, I've been given this platform as a privilege. So I'm going to use my platform to speak out to the things that are important to me. Um, so I think that that intersectionality of all of that is, they're all facts, um, but they're things that still have to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're all, I think it's also like, <clears throat> We're in this weird um, kind of area where like athletes are now kind of figuring out how empowered they can be, especially especially like high profile athletes in high profile sports. And the media is not so sure how to respond to it. Well, and I, I think some of that too is um, on top of us um, figuring out our power and being empowered to use our voice. You know, I always talk about, um, you know, I, I have my non-for-profit, the Natasha Hastings Foundation, where I work with women or young girls rather. And one of the things that I tell them is that what makes the difference also is us being in positions to tell our stories and I, there has been just noises just, just running through wherever, wherever you are on campus, but you, you, you got it all over there. It's popping over here. Um, but by that, you know, I, I always use the example of, you know, women in sports, most of the time in track and swimming, volleyball, we're in these skimpy outfits, right? Mm. And for reason, you know, whoever designed it, now we've all normalized it, we're competing in it, it is what it is, right? But then when you look at how we're portrayed on the television screen, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at the cameraman and the cameraman been a woman. It's always a man that's depicting how I look on the TV screen, you know? So when an awkward camera angle comes out that it's like, man, really, you had to show her butt like that? Or you had to show, it's a man behind the camera. Yeah. I'm doing this interview. I'm doing this interview with a white man. Uh, thank, a, thank Jew, a, Jew, a Jewish man, excuse you, a, a Jewish man. Give me, give me some credit here, please. But it's so important that we now also recognize that we have the power to not only speak and use our platform, but to also fill these spaces to help tell the stories and elevate the story. I love telling the story about when I got pregnant, I was afraid to tell my sponsor. What made the difference in me having to make that phone call was that I made the phone call to, to two women, you know? So I think that, and two white women, I'll throw that out there too. Um, They're going to be white sometimes. <laughs> but I think that, you know, there's something that speaks to when we're in these positions that tell the stories, that make the decisions, we can move the needle further along. So I think we're, we're starting to see now more now more than ever that we don't just have to be the athletes we can be valuable as the journalists we can be valuable you know as the person in the front office making these decisions we can be valuable in these other spaces that can create change it's basically you're saying it's a it, it's a literal whole team effort literally mm. But I, I think too, I, I heard a speech um, a few years ago by David Banner of all people. <laughs> and um, what he said was, 
kind of controversial, but I got the message and what he was saying. And what he said was, you know, racism is often touted as this terrible thing and racism actually isn't a bad thing. When you insert supremacy into racism, that's when it becomes dangerous. And he said, he broke it down where, you know, Asians should support Asians. You know, Asians should support like-minded people, like liked people, not like-minded people. Um, Jewish people support Jewish oh, people. We do. We do. <laughs> we as black people <laughs> need to learn how to support black people. So nobody's wrong for supporting their own, right? So again, there's nothing wrong with us creating spaces that are supportive of our own. It's when we start to inject those things with ideas of supremacy that it becomes dangerous. And, and I left with that and I was like, you know, he, he's, he's on to something with that, that it, it, it's okay to be pro-Black. <laughs> so long as I'm not pro-Black to the point where I want to cause harm to other groups. Um, so it's, fine. it's a fine line. Yeah, very fine. <laughs> but I think you got to be clear about, you know, what that I'm pro-woman. I'm pro-woman without, I, I also have a young son. I'm pro-him, but I'm you also know, pro-woman. I think that a lot of people use the term pro, pro this, pro that, and in, and inherently like, well, that means you're anti, you're anti exactly. not yep. often not the case. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, we don't have a couple minutes left. So I do, I, the training thing honestly just seems unimportant now <laughs> since, <laughs> since we just cover the actual important topics of track and field. Uh, but uh, I mean, let's talk about Sydney McLaughlin real quick quick mm-hmm. the the best she's the best runner in her thing but like she's possibly oh, she's, the best runner in the world the world's greatest ever okay <laughs> there you go so scary. i have to say what is she but like like <laughs> but but like you said colorism mm-hmm. she's like very attractive uh has kind of has like a lot of model features because she's very tall too i find and she's light-skinned yeah um how does that benefit or hurt her like when you look at i it. think sydney is a prime example for a number of reasons um number one all of those things that you just listed but she is someone that's obviously not resting on those things she's nope, the world record holder she did it at the trials she did it again at the olympic games <laughs> i love to tell this part her world record going over hurdles equaled my season's best running the flat 400. <laughs> like <laughs> levels, levels here, you know. Levels, levels. Um, but what I think is incredibly unfortunate, we we can see things happen uh, on two extremes, right? Where those things were picked apart to a level that it negatively affected her. In that, you know, she she felt bad, like she can't help that she's a light-skinned, gorgeous woman that also runs very fast. And she got hate, backlash, whatever you want to call it, for those reasons. And I mean, I'll I'll be totally honest, Dalila Muhammad was the one that I was going for. And that being because she's from New York, she was the reign world world record holder. Like, I just had my reasons for, like, why I was like, Dalila, Dalila, Dalila. But it didn't take away from how awesome that performance was you know it it wasn't a reason for me to go after Sydney for 
being who she can't help to be, you know, for being herself. And so I think she's a prime example of how these things can be of negative impact and be dangerous when someone's just out here just trying to be the best them. And I mean, she showed us that she can be all of those things and still be effing great. <laughs> because that race, as I'm thinking about it, I'm, my pores are raising. It Jeez. was just oh phenomenal. Oh my God. What, what a, just the battle, right? The battle between Dula <laughs> Muhammad, as you said, and Sydney. Yeah, and and, and that, 20, 2021 was the year of the woman, I'm, I, in track and field at least. Like, yes, yes. The guys were out there performing, but the women were making history. And it was so cool to, I, I, I wished I could be a part of it, <laughs> but it was so cool to watch. And it was especially cool to watch the women, I mean, to even see Sydney and Dalila, like that's a rivalry that, you know, if we go historically of how women are pitted against each other and it was like, we're just two awesome women that respect one another and, yeah. and we know how hard the other one works. And, you know, both of them pulled the other to new PBs, like hats off to both of them. Oh yeah. I mean, just, there doesn't seem to be animosity there at all. Just kind of this, we're going to make sure it better. Um, I was also just going to say about Sydney, it, it, what's interesting about her too is that like she also is seems very, yeah, she seems pro-America mm-hmm. she, through certain comments she made to the pre- press and it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, no one cared. Like, it, like I was like, oh, she mentioned them because normally you don't hear people mentioning that thing because they're like, I'm here to compete. It's different headspace. We heard mm-hmm. it and I just, it's just like she's in this space where she's so good and she looks to me where, where everyone's like, yeah, I don't care. Wait, when you say she's pro-american she she way. made a she made a comment after the first heat about and I, I just remember this one specifically just about how she's like something about pressure and she's like oh pressure is not really yeah and then it was like but i really just came here to represent my country um i think that's something that i think a lot of us but especially anyone who has been a part of team usa can can relate to um I think the first time I got a Team USA uniform was when I was like 16. That was my first, uh, it was a junior team. But anyway, there is something about putting those colors on. You do literally feel like a superhero. And I think, um, especially now in Black Lives Matter and like just bringing a lot of things to the forefront, people are, you know, how can you be pro-America as a black person. And I think you said something earlier too, that is true. Like I can be pro something with pro something else. Right. And so to that, you know, I love my country. I do, but in loving my country, I can still hold my country accountable. And And we're in where it, that that's actually like a, a show of love too. You know, and we're in this cancel culture <laughs> where if you say anything um, that is unpopular or against or you don't agree with, it's like you're automatically anti. And it's like, no, I love my country. I just want my country to do better. As I go out here to represent this country, as I wear these colors on my back, the, the best honor in our sport is to stand on the podium and hear our national anthem. I'd like for the national anthem to also be representative of me. If I'm out here representing yeah, this sure. country, I'd like for the national anthem not to be offensive to me and my people. Um, 
I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we're all pro-American. We just all want to see America do better. And and being pro-American, loving America, like means different things to different people and then, different people yeah and then mm-hmm. you throw the right and the right wing media the left wing media that they portray it completely differently yep. and then there's yep. and of course they're sensationalizing it but it's a different thing but we can talk about another time i would like to have you another time do you have time for one more question sure i ask this for every guest so okay. know that. what is the <laughs> best piece of advice you've ever received and what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received the best advice came from Michael Johnson when he was my agent, he was my first agent out of college. And he told me every day is an opportunity for you to get a leg up on your um, competitors. So with that, I, you know, there are mornings that I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. And it makes me think my competitor is probably doing it. So you need to get up and do it. So, you know, you end up taking the mundane things and making them competitive and you know you're able to push through for that the worst advice it's an odd question it is an odd question because if it was bad i probably just threw it away anyway (laughs) (laughs) that that, that's a healthy mindset i suppose um the worst advice the worst advice Um, probably to say yes to everything Ooh, that is bad advice. That's really, yeah. really poor advice. Yeah, because in saying yes to everything, you lessen your value and your worth. Really well put. Say, so, um, great way to end it right there, because <laughs> <laughs> that's like these pieces of advice. They 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 really resonate with me a lot too. So maybe I'm just doing it for awesome. myself. Hard to say. <laughs> um, would love to have you on again to kind of discuss much much farther because i feel like we just sure. scratched the surface on colorism racism all that stuff there's a lot more to dig up so yeah uh, in the future definitely definitely have you on again uh where can we find you um i am on the socials natasha hastings on instagram twitter facebook um i also have a podcast slash talk show that i do with my counterpart Corey carter called track girl summer we're on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, but our show is on YouTube. So subscribe to YouTube and yeah. Okay. So just Natasha yeah. Hastings. Okay. <laughs> that's it. At Natasha Hastings, anywhere you look. Natasha, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Uh, I, I, tr- I mean this, I learned so much. Well, thank you. Uh, hope I asked okay questions. You did. They were, they were great questions. You uh, know, I, I love an interview. That's not the typical you know, so how's training going? And I know we we kind of took a turn for somewhere, but I like when we take a turn and it goes to new levels. I think I think it's one of the lessons I've learned in my short time podcasting is just like let it go, let it go where it goes, and just kind of yeah. stay stay active, stay with active listening, and that's all you need. I mean, that yeah. that's mainly what you need. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you to my guest Tasha Hastings. Uh, this you can catch this on all the platforms, YouTube as well for video. And uh, everyone stay safe.